When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk 860, and womentowatch.net. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm happy to be in the studio today with a wonderful guest who's joining me live in the studio, which I love. And uh, before we get started, I just want to give you our website for all information pertaining to the show, in particular, who is going to be coming up and some of the events we're involved in. Uh, And we'd love to hear from you as well. So you can find everything at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. And as always, please follow us on our social media pages. We're very active on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook Um, posting all kinds of wonderful, positive, inspirational uh, quotes and items from our guests and um, looking for a way to engage with our audience. Um, So I'm going to get right to it today. Uh, My very special guest in the studio is Lisa Skeet Tatum. And Lisa is the founder and CEO of Landit, which is a technology platform for women and their careers. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's great for you to um, to be here and, and take time out of your day because I know how busy you must be. It's my pleasure. And uh, very excited to have a local lady with us in the studio. And um, uh, and I'm anxious to learn about Landit and, and what the company does and how it's different from perhaps some other um, resources, technology resources that are out there for women. But the first thing I want to do is find out a little bit more about the young Lisa. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I I always say you can't tell someone's story without starting at the very beginning. Absolutely. So um, I understand you were born in New Jersey, but moved around quite a bit because mom was a a nurse in the military. So just talk for a couple of minutes about your upbringing and your background and how it may have uh, played a role in in what you're doing today. Absolutely. So I was born in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have an amazing mother and trailblazer. Some of my earliest memories, because my mom had me quite young, were of accompanying her to school as she finished her degree. Oh, that's wonderful. And she's, she's marvelous. She really is. When I think of people who I love and admire, she's, she's the one. But she had the forethought to say, you know, I want something more for myself and for my daughter. So she became a nurse in the military. And at the ripe old age of four, we moved to Germany. Okay, wow. And spent most of my childhood going to different places, Guam, Germany, et cetera. And my mother always emphasized the importance of education because if you had education, that opens up possibilities. And I never heard the, no, the word no from her. 
Okay. It's just everything is possible. Yeah. And she didn't have to say it. It was by example. So we moved around until high school and uh, finished high school in Virginia, Northern Virginia, and then uh, went off to Cornell, and the rest is history. The rest is history. Was it just the two of you? It, well, I have a younger sister. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm considerably older, so I'm eight years older than my sister, and I am 18 years older than my brother. Okay, So wow. each of us had our own uh, only child moment. Yeah, right. But for many, many, many years, it was just uh, the two of us. Okay. I've, I've had um, quite a number of women who had the experience of a parent being in the military, and they've had to move place to place. What did that do for your security as a child? Did it instill kind of that uh, resilience piece and ability to adapt, or, sure. or was it hard? So I didn't know anything different. So for us, it was always an adventure. So you're going somewhere new, you're gonna meet new people, you're gonna try new things. My mother made sure I was in the local school so I wasn't you know, sequestered. And so for us, it was great. And it was about possibilities, which is what, if you talk to my kids, they're like, mom's always saying it's all about possibilities, because it is, that's your yeah, job, right. is to expose to as many things as possible. What's interesting is once I married and had my own family and lived in the same house for 10 plus years, I'd get really antsy. So we travel, <laughs> we travel quite a bit. It's they, a little boring to you. It's exactly yeah. right. Oh, but no, it, it was great. It yeah. was an adventure. Yeah. Well. Moms talking to their daughters about the importance of education is always a great thing. And, you know, we talk on the show a lot about what can women say to young girls uh, to help build their confidence and self-esteem. And education is, you know, it's so key. So you received your BS in chemical engineering from Cornell, and you uh, received an MBA from Harvard Business School. So that tells me you had uh, classroom smarts. <laughs> Um, did you, did you always, you know, did mm -hmm. schooling come easy to you or is it something you worked very, very hard for? Uh, depends on which year in chemistry you're talking about, but yes, I've always loved school. I've always loved math and science. I actually thought I was going to be an astronaut. I wanted to be the yeah. first woman in space, but then someone beat me to it, so I had to pivot. <laughs> so, you could be the second woman. <laughs> probably by that time the fifth. Yeah, but, right, right. So, but I've always loved learning and, again, watching my mom and realizing that it's a privilege, right, mm -hmm. and not everyone has the right to learn. So for me, by the time my, my dreams were dashed about the astronaut, it's like, well, what kind of engineer do I want to be? And I chose chemical because it was so empirical. And I figured if I could figure that out, then I could figure out everything. Yeah. Uh, but then by the time I graduated, I was like, well, you know, this was great, but the feedback loop is a little too long. And that's when I discovered this notion of business and that you could bring all that analytical, all of that background to do something that you were truly passionate about. Okay. And uh, yeah, you couldn't have told me. It wasn't on the plan to go to Harvard Business School, but it was this notion of, and I think so many of us struggle with the, I don't even know what's possible. Mm. Because if you don't have someone that's gone before you, if you don't have someone that's kind of bringing you on, then a lot of what you discover is by trial and error mm. and being willing to take that risk. Yeah, you know, you hear the phrase often, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Absolutely. Right? You're, I want to go back for a minute. High school for you, was that uh, a public school, private, all girls, uh, mixed? Public school, for mm -hmm. sure. Okay. And uh, I went to two. I actually changed high schools my junior year, uh, but again, so used to moving, so it was right. customary. And uh, spent a lot of it bored, always wanting more, uh, always trying to either learn something new or get involved with something. 
but again, this whole quest for knowledge, I, yeah. I just, I love it. Even today, that's part of the best job when I was a VC, and so as an entrepreneur, I learn and fail every day. Mm. So it and fits really well. And you accept really it well. and give yourself a break for y- it. You know, I try. Uh, sometimes when you're a little type A and uh, a little bit of perfectionist, but you let go of that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's there's nothing like trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and trying to problem solve. Yeah, And that's the very nature of, of what I do on a daily basis and the very foundation that engineering prepared me for. Were you a young girl who raised your hand in class and asked, you know, spoke up? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Good. But over time, you learn how to finesse that. <laughs> And when to do it. So absolutely, I've never been a shy person in terms of expressing my opinion or putting myself out there. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Landit f- uh, for yes. a few minutes. So just to c- and give the listeners an idea of, of what it is. Mm-hmm. It provides women with a personalized playbook with tools, resources, and the network they need to navigate their career path. Um, First, I wanted to ask you, we'll, we'll get into what exactly it provides, mm-hmm. um, but in addition to resources, what do you believe is a way we can, uh, or advice for women to best help themselves at their place of work, outside of the tools and the resources, um, and, the, and the typical advice that they receive? So the very premise and basis for Landit, and I think every great company comes from our own personal pain points, So we talked about the different pivots, and just realizing that as you progress in your career, we'll just say as you get more mature, the more challenging those inflection points become. And so, so much so as we sit here today, largest number of professional educated women, not firing on all cylinders, but they wanna be. And what happens is often we're suffering in silence, right? Because we don't want people to know that we don't have it all figured out. And what I discovered as I was going through it is sometimes those changes seem insurmountable. And so what we're trying to do is say, okay, acknowledge where you are, but what is it that you need to move forward, right? Because it's not for lack of motivation or skill or even track record, it is that I don't know where to start. And I don't know, sometimes I don't even know what I don't know, Mm -hmm. and I don't know how to connect with the tools and the humans and the resources. So the first thing we try and do is say, you know what, you're in great hands, better than with Allstate. (laughs) So we're (laughs) going to give you that playbook to help get you unstuck, whether you're in a company or out, to help move you forward. Because that's what we found is the pain point. Or if you're re-entering the workplace and you want to do, but you just don't know where to start. So it is that validation that, yes, you have those feelings. Yes, you have skills. Yes, you're worth the investment. And we're going to level the playing field. We're going to give you what you need when you need it to achieve your it. Not the it that we define, not the it that others define, but what is your personal goal? And let us help you navigate in a one-size-fits-one way to meet that goal. So is the very first step to try to help them get some clarity? Absolutely. I mean, if I reflect back after I was a general partner for over a decade, it's like, well, where do you go after you've been a, a general partner for you know 10 plus years? And many times we don't even know what we don't know what the possibilities are. So we start with saying, well, based on what you've done and based on what you tell us about you, because it's all about finding what fits the 360 of you, not what you happen to fall into. So based on what we know about you and everything that matters to you, these are the possibilities. So if I hearken back to my amazing mother, it's all about what are the options? What are the possibilities that fit with you? And that's where we start. And then we start to layer on the pathing and the access and the tools and things of that sort. Yeah, I think so often, you know, the, the biggest obstacle is that 
I don't know. I don't right. know what I'm even looking for. I don't, you know, I've been mm-hmm. doing this perhaps same role for so long, and 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 I'm doing it well, That's but right. I'm, I'm ready for that next step. So it has to be that, uh, you know, that clarity, that that point that really kind of opens up. I love mm-hmm. that word possibilities mm-hmm. because they're always endless, and sometimes we we pigeonhole ourselves into into one area. Absolutely. Or if we are less than certain, you know, we have a healthy dose of that imposter syndrome. Yes. There really is a social cost of saying, hey, I'm feeling vulnerable. Or maybe, you know, I don't know what I want to do. So you're having all these coffees and you don't even know what your ask is. And so it's about giving people a safe space to try and figure that out or giving them the script they need. So when they are having all of these different networking meetings, what am I asking for? I'm not asking you to solve my whole life. Maybe it's one thing that I'm struggling with. So helping people think about what is that path? What is that language? And then how do I best utilize and move forward? How have you done that yourself in your Oof. own life? Can you talk about, you know, we all have that moment where we're not knowing which way to go, right or left. Sure. And um, what do you say to yourself? So a very wise woman, my mother, <laughs> told me many moons ago that it's just as important knowing what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And it's interesting, I remember my very first job at P&G and I knew I wanted to work for them and they had this sheet at the career fair and you have to write down what division or what function. And of course, I had no idea, so I wrote down like nine things. And I think most people looked at that and said, this woman has no focus whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, But there was a gentleman that said, well, Lisa, if you want to do all those things, maybe you should consider X. And he helped me crystallize it. And that's when I realized the importance of having a sponsor, right? Someone that sees something in you that can help you figure it all out Mm -hmm. and then kind of open the doors for you. Or even venture capital. No one in my family was a venture capitalist. There's not a lot of that going on in York, New Jersey. But once someone helped me figure it out, it's like, okay, well, now who do I go to to help me think about putting a plan in place? How does, you know... uh, a young black woman from North New Jersey break into venture capital. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's a good question. 30 yeah. plus. Uh, but I'm not going to date myself, of course. <laughs> so it's about being okay to admit that you're vulnerable, trying to frame the question, but being willing to take the risk, right? Take the risk of failure. And as you get older, you know, those risks, the stakes become higher. And I've just never let that stop me. Or I have a good friend that says, you know what? You can be scared. You know, open the box, you know, do whatever you got to do, then put the box back on the shelf and move forward. Yeah. So it's not letting the risk or the fear of failure stop me. You got to acknowledge that you have it. It would be disingenuous for people to say, oh, I have no fear. Well, if you have no fear, that means you're not putting yourself out there. Yeah. But it's being willing to take those risks. You know, you mentioned the word sponsor. And mm. I, I wanted to ask you if there was ever a man in your life that lifted you up or said something to you that, that has stayed with you. Absolutely. I would say probably most of my sponsors have been. You know, I was a chemical engineer, not a lot of women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Venture capital, not a lot of women. And I think it's a mistake that many of us make, which is we look for people that either look like us or are from the same background. And when you think about building what we call your board of advisors, what my kids would say, building your squad, you have to think about who is the best person for that role. And often it's not, you know, if you're a woman, it's not another woman. And it, you should have women. But it's about opening up for who's the best person to help, whether it's your sponsor or your mentor or your point expert, et cetera. So at every step along my career, I've had uh, amazing men that have, you know, not only spoken with me, but talked about me or given me that little shove when I wasn't quite sure. Yeah. Or, you know, being willing to say, you know, Lisa, no, that's wrong. Maybe consider this. I think it's, it's important to have that feedback loop and to do the cultivation of those relationships. 
and for sure. I, yeah, and I think you're so right. It's it's so important to have someone who's advocating for you as opposed to just giving you advice. Because if it's coming from someone else that somebody's doing something worthy, you know, um, it, it, it can be valuable. That's right. And I would say for women in particular, we're typically over-mentored and under-sponsored, right? So we think about, I have to get a mentor. And it's just so incredibly heavy when what you really need yeah. is different people serving different roles so you can have the right ask of the right person at the right cadence. Talk about the difference between the two, because I don't know that every woman understands sure. what you're even referring to when we talk about mentors and having a sponsor. Sponsorship is something we typically think of as, um, you know, someone financially sponsoring mm -hmm. an event or, or something. Sure. So when you think about a mentor, you think of someone where you're driving that relationship, there's probably more frequency of touch, you're bouncing ideas, maybe a strategy, et cetera. When you talk about a sponsor, this is someone who's talking about you, someone who's picking up the phone and opening up opportunities or maybe seeing things that you don't see. Uh, but we actually take it a step further and say, you need a point expert. Who do you know that is deeper in terms of knowledge in your field than it's either something you aspire to, but maybe you don't have the time to get to. So who would you go to for that? Or a connector, someone who knows everyone, uh, probably more people than you could probably, who can help you get where you wanna go. And then of course, everyone needs that close friend. So when you think about who you surround yourself with, you actually need someone in all of those slots, and sometimes you have multiple people in those slots, but the biggest differentiator is having that sponsor because that's the person that creates opportunities for you. Would you suggest they ask someone to be a sponsor? So I get that question a lot, and we say, well, you don't ask because it's like saying, well, you go study, and kind of no one asks that anymore. But what you do is you identify and then you cultivate. Right. So we say things like ask the interview. So maybe it's someone who's been there, done that before, and you're working on something in that field and you can go to them versus saying, you know, well, you solve everything for me. Mm -hmm. It is, I am working on X. I would love your perspective, et cetera. You never say, you know, can I meet with you to hear about your life? No, nobody wants to get that call. Right. It's, <laughs> nobody wants that call. No, thank you. I'm busy. <laughs> but it's about, you know, how can I help? Because most folks, if you have a very specific ask that they can deliver on, they'll do it. Then I think where people drop the ball is there's no follow-up, right? So it's like, yeah. well, great. You gave that advice, and this is what I did with it. And it is about that cultivation, that um, reciprocating that leads to long-term and fruitful relationships. Yeah. So you don't ask, you just kind of know. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Or you hope people pick up on it, right? Yes. 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 Or what we say is, are you sponsorable? Like, how do you show up that people see something in you and mm -hmm. say, yes, this is someone that I'm willing to spend my political capital on? Because that's essentially what they're doing, right? They're putting out social currency on your behalf. And therefore, you know, you have to show up in a way that people say, yes, I'm willing to do that. Yeah. Let's talk about venture capital for a minute. Um, yes. Previously, you were a partner with Cardinal Partners, uh, mm -hmm. which was a healthcare venture capital firm. Um, you led the firm's investment in companies such as Athena Health and TechRx. Mm -hmm. uh, what I wanted to know is, what did you look for in companies that you would want to invest in? What are the things that would you know, stand out for you as this is a company that we want to be working with? Absolutely. So. The number one question I would ask is, is this solving a pain point or is this a nice to have? Because the minute it's a nice to have, you're you know, dispensable. So is this solving a pain point? Is this a big opportunity, right? Because most venture capitalists, they don't wanna invest in the incremental. It is, is this going to change the way people live their lives? And does this team or this technology have a shot at winning? 
right. and, and making it happen. Uh, what I loved about Healthcare VC is this amazing intersection between consumerism, right? That was my background. It's the biggest, biggest consumer market there is. But the fact that when you make these investments, you literally are impacting people's lives for the better. And then never take market risk. So if there's any risk, many, you can solve for team, you can solve for technology, you cannot solve for market not being there, not being robust. So those were the, the key items. Okay. Um, you also worked for Procter & Gamble, right? When I read that, I, I thought, gosh, what a, you know, a difference that time must have been in your life, working for a, a company that mm -hmm. size and what you're doing today. Um, I wonder if you could just talk for a moment or two about the difference and, and what that experience felt like um, being with a company the size of Procter & Gamble and now running your own tech business. Sure. Another piece of invaluable advice I received is your first job, your first experience should be laying the foundation. And that's exactly what P&G did. They have, they have the best training. They allow you to take risks, but you're supported. And that's the first time I even heard about this concept of a board of advisors. No one was talking about that, you know, where I was from. So it was great for those five years to not only teach me how to problem solve, but also how do you run a project? How do you think globally? All of those things that prepared me for taking this humongous leap off the cliff. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Which it is. Always, yes. And yeah. I would say even the difference between working for a big company or working as a VC, when you're an entrepreneur, uh, it never leaves you, right? You're mm -hmm. sleeping, if you sleep, with that pad uh, by the side of your bed or that phone. And it is about, you know, it is, in my opinion, no one wakes up and says, I want to be an entrepreneur, right? It's too hard. You've got to be driven by a bigger mission. And when you're driven by a mission, then you will run through fire for that because you, I always tell people I'm trying to change the world, right? I'm going for world domination. And so I'm always thinking about how can I best do that? And how can I learn as quickly as I can to move as fast as I can? That's a very different mindset and, uh, very extreme highs and lows mm -hmm. that you don't have, I think, in a larger uh, organization, at least not to that degree. Yeah. Looking at you and, and mm -hmm. listening to you, I mm. sense that you're doing all of this with joy. Um, it is very difficult to be an entrepreneur. And as you very said, the hard. highs, it's because it's all on us. Mm -hmm. um, tell me, first of all, what is the mission? What is your mission behind what you're doing? Sure. It is to unlock the talent of everyone in the workplace to literally democratize career success. Because I just see time and time again, again, it's not about talent, it's not about capability, it is do I know what to do? And if I knew what to do, do I have the access and the tools to help me get there? And even in amazing companies, if you ask the question, do I have the tools that I need to succeed? The answer would be very uneven because it's hard for companies to invest at scale and it's certainly hard if you're an individual to think about how do you bring together everything I need that allows you to better path. And that's why I love technology because it is the great leveler, right? You can bring all of those different elements together at scale, but personalized because we don't lack for information, right? There's a ton of information. The problem is, is it relevant for me? And is it something I can action on? Even our name, Landa, is an action. So it's really yeah. about helping someone move forward. So that's our big audacious goal. We wanted to democratize career success for everyone. So not just women. 
So we say we don't develop tools for women. We develop tools for success. We happen to be focused on women because that is literally where you see the crisis, right? You see we make up 51% of the workforce, but only 16% of senior management. You see people not engaging in the workplace, not for lack of wanting to, but not um, having what they need in order to do that. So that's where we're, we start, but we have men on the platform uh, and they're certainly welcome. But we are laser focused at the moment on women and how do we get that parity and how do we give women a chance to bring the full measure of themselves to the workplace. And what are your personal views on why the numbers are where they are? Um, I think it's, you know, it, it's obvious to all of us that women play a role where perhaps we're juggling so much more. If we're mothers and we have children and families, that's a big responsibility. Um, but we're always looking for the why. Why? Mm -hmm. More so, what I want to know is why do they hesitate to to strive for leadership as mm -hmm. opposed to why are they not doing more? I don't mm -hmm. ever want to say that. Mm -hmm. What is your view on on why the numbers are where they are when it comes to corporations and women mm -hmm. in executive roles on boards and in leadership? Sure. Well, the first thing I would say, and I am a mother of two boys, that uh, it's the first thing that people throw out there. But we know that 60% of women work past the birth of their second child, right? So yes, believe me, I know firsthand as I was baking cookies at 515 for my son's house, how challenging it is to balance, but that's not the only reason. It is when you weigh that investment what it takes and you look at the opportunity cost, are you going to a workplace that values you? Are you going to a workplace that allows you to do both? Are you going to a place where you say, you know, it's worth that juggling, that sacrifice because I am getting, uh, I'm able to contribute and get the reward out of it. I think until very recently, diversity was looked at as a nice thing to do, but that's no longer the case, right? It is an, an economic and competitive imperative that you get the most out of all of your talent. So I mm -hmm. think there has been a mind shift or a mindset change there. And I think there are some real cultural issues, microaggression and the like, that prevent us from moving as we would like to. Men and women start out with the same ambition, but within two years, there's a 50% drop for women. And it has nothing to do with family and personal. It has everything to do with, I don't have what I need to succeed. And that's a difference. So it's not an ambition thing. And believe me, not every man wants to be at the top. But it is, do I have the opportunity to bring my full self? And in many cases, that answer is no. When, when you say no, the opportunity is not there, mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? So it's a combination of things. Sometimes it's that sponsorship. Uh, sometimes because we notoriously undersell ourselves, right? because we think it's bragging, so we don't have the personal brand or the visibility or are willing to take the risk where we allow ourselves to be tapped. And sometimes through different cultural reasons, we're on the outside because often we're not a part of those networks or there isn't someone around the table advocating for us. So it is about do I even have a shot at something that fits with me that allows me to bring everything. So it really is about access and knowing, and then do I have the tools and the resources? Because if people are not making that investment in you, a perfect example would be coaching. So we are big believers in coaching. It's something that I didn't realize until very late that every CEO that I admired had one. I'm like, well, why don't I have one of those? <laughs> <laughs> why do you have to be in the C-suite to get access to that? Imagine if you brought that to everyone earlier on in their career. How um, 
easier or how would the path be smoothed in terms of navigating these tough situations? So it's about giving people the resources to do that navigation. It's not all gonna be easy, but when you hit one of those walls, who is in your corner to help you navigate? And what resources do you have in order to do that? So when you look at your own life and what you mm. have done and kind of dispelled some of these, you know, um, barriers, I'll say, how much does belief in oneself play as opposed to having a mentor, having, mm-hmm. um, you know, a board, a board of advisors, having the tools, the resources? Tell me, you know, when you balance the belief yes. and those things, where do they, where do they uh, Absolutely. flush out? Well heavily on the individual because it certainly as an entrepreneur I get told no pretty much every week <laughs> by something whether it is a product you're iterating on or funding etc that's what so you have to be driven by something bigger and you have to have grit and resilience mm-hmm. and there are times when you don't believe you don't always believe and you're sitting there in the middle of the night you're saying oh gosh am I doing the right thing but what pushes you through is that uh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna give up And I saw that, again, watching my mom very early on. It's like, okay, well, you know where you're going, and you're going to fall in some pits for sure. You're going to get some skin needs, et cetera, but I'm never going to stop. I'm never going to stop. It sounds like she was very goal-oriented, and you you witnessed that. So it wasn't just her words, because I think when we're young, whatever our parents say, we think, you're just, you have to say that to me. I'm the greatest kid ever. I know you have yeah. to say that. Um, but when you're actually, you know, she was a, a role model that you watched um, with goals. Absolutely. Do you remember that? Can you remember watching that? Oh, and, you better believe it. Yeah. And again, she was, if you think about the world that she was in, you know, as a single mom way back then, and we won't date myself, but. <laughs> But the choices she made, they weren't the obvious or the easier ones. Mm, And that goes for her mother and mother before. So I consider myself fortunate to come from a long line of really strong women who, despite the obstacles or the slights, et cetera, they kept going. Yeah. And therefore, I keep going. That's wonderful. Listen, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. And when we come back, I want you to describe the the moment you decided to do this, to start Mm. this company. We'll be right back. This is Kristen Hilsley, financial advisor of the Foley Hilsley Group, with a big announcement. Last fall, I hosted a women's lifestyle conference to help the women who do it all take control of their finances. Now I'm excited to announce a new partnership with Women To Watch Media to help show women how to own their financial future. We'll have newsletter articles, blog posts, announcements of live events, and a lot more. All available at womentowatch.net and our own website, foleyhillsleygroup.com. I'm thrilled about this new partnership, and I look forward to being your resource for all things financial. Stay tuned to learn more or visit our website at FoleyHillsleyGroup.com. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, member SIPC. Log on to FoleyHillsleyGroup.com to learn more. That's F-O-L-E-Y-H-I-L-L-S-L-E-Y Group.com. Or call 610-238-6636. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. 
In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. Again, my name is Sue Rocco, and I'm joined this afternoon by Lisa Skeet Tatum. And Lisa is the founder and CEO of Landit, which is a technology platform for women and men. Women and men. Um, (laughs) Everybody, (laughs) Anybody who wants to come. um, Helping them with their careers. And so I would love for you to describe, I'm always fascinated with, with, there's usually a moment when you say, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Right? You can, you may have been thinking about this and it's all a need and, you know, um, but tell me, describe the moment when you said, I'm going to, I'm going to take a leap and jump off the cliff as you (laughs) described and start this company. So it's interesting. I know everyone thinks there is a moment. I think I had a series of micro moments. Okay. So the whole genesis was finding myself at my own inflection point, right? So, you know, I spent a decade plus as a VC, but I found myself living what I call a double life where I had my VC by day, but have always been committed to creating access for others. But I was doing that through board work and I wanted to find a way to combine those two. And then I got really stuck because I had no idea what that life looked like. Everyone expected me to know. It felt awful because I had always known or figured it out fairly quickly. And you think you're the only one. And as I was going through this, I noticed, you know, people from my mother's from my son's school or other colleagues all kind of hitting this inflection point, and as I said, suffering in silence and really not knowing where to start. Was this 2012? This was, 2012 was the beginning. Okay, uh, this was prior. That's exactly right. But about that time, I was accepted as a Henry Crown Fellow through the Aspen Institute, where you have to have a project that you think is gonna change the world. And I went into that saying, I know I'm gonna do something for women and girls, But as I went through it, I was like, you know what? My project is me because there are millions of women trying to figure this out. That's right. And so I'm going to take everything that I've learned, everything that I've done, and how do we apply it, that same scale, urgency, and metrics to solving this? And one of my classmates from business school, uh, Sheila Marcello, who's founder and CEO of Care.com, was also in my Henry Crown Fellows class. And we said, you know what, let's combine forces and let's really go after this. So it was going through that process of, oh, I wonder what my project's gonna be and how am I gonna help you know, women and realizing this is really hard. And if I am having a hard time and I have people pulling for me, it must seem insurmountable for others. Mm. And we're gonna do something about it. So it was going through the amazing gift of being a fellow that said, yeah, yeah we, we're gonna take this leap. Now, first time CEO, so it wasn't obvious how this was all gonna unfold, but there were people who said, I believe in you, because without exception, everyone that we shared this with said, you're either talking about me, someone I know and love, or an issue I'm struggling with in our company. And Mm -hmm. that's when we realized just how massive of an opportunity this was. Wow. So it's it's tricky in today's world when you you know you have an idea or a concept for something that's a service and is gonna help, and it's technology based. What's, what was the first thing you did 
you know, as far as developing the platform? Or do you go and raise capital first? Or, you know, you look at market. Well, tell me the, the mm -hmm. steps for really making it happen. Sure. So the first thing is you have to figure out what the it is. So we knew what the problem was. What wasn't clear in the beginning is what is the solution? And so there was a lot of iteration on what is the pain point? Because I learned very early on as a VC, as I said, if you invest in something that's nice to have, you're not going to go very far. So mm -hmm. how are we solving the pain point for the individual? And how are we solving the pain point for the company? And so we did a lot of interviews and a lot of discussion but we knew the problem personally, right? Because it was born of my own personal pain. And so then we said, well, you know what? Most people think diversity and they think intake, but it's not an intake issue because great companies will always find candidates. The issue is, do women thrive when they get there? So mm -hmm. let's go at that. And that's when we started saying, okay, well, what did we learn? Or what did we fail at? Or what did we have the benefit of sponsorship? And let's try and knit that together. And then a ton of trial and error. And as we were doing this, there were people that said, yeah, I get that. I understand that need. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna throw in our locks and we're gonna back you. So uh, I went from check writer to check receiver. Much easier to write the check, I'm telling you. <laughs> much, much easier. Uh, so that's how the whole process uh, began. But it's just this constant iteration. And you have to get really, really comfortable with hearing no a lot. Mm, a yes, lot. Yes. Right? No on your product. No for funding. You know, I don't see it. I don't get it. Yes, it may be big, but uh, that woman thing or uh, that career mm, thing. Yeah, so yeah. we said, you know what? No, we're going to do it in a way that's scalable, that's measurable, that's of value, and we're going to iterate. And, and yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. really hard, but you have to be mission driven. Is there something that someone at a, a company that you're working with had said, you know, it, when you were kind of doing your research that surprised you? I don't know if it surprised me, but we were smart enough to bring in that voice very early on. And so just listening to their pain, and it really was, I want to touch more lives at scale. And it's like, okay, bang. How do you do that? So it wasn't, I'm not convinced. It wasn't, I don't have the resources. It's not, I'm not committed. It is, how do I do that? How do I identify? And then second, how do I know when I'm winning? Because lots and lots of companies have placed lots and lots of bets, but it's been really hard to measure. So how do I make this investment and see movement? and see an end result. So we knew from the very beginning we had to incorporate that, but it's all about the woman. Because if you solve a one size fits one, then that enables companies to not only think about the individual, because it is about the individual, but how do I think about that at scale across my organization? So that was the voice that we brought in very early on. And, and so when you're talking to um, a company and, and expressing what the value of Landit is, which by the way, I think it's a great name, Landit. Thank you. And Thank it you. is. It's actionable. It's just, it's memorable. It's a great name. Um, you, I guess you can't talk about it without using the word diversity and why it's important for companies to have more diversity in their, um, their talent pool. What would you say is the number one reason they should? Why should they care about helping the women within their, their companies succeed? I don't believe that there is a CEO or a head of HR or a head of learning and development that doesn't understand the value of you invest so much time in attracting the best talent. You want that talent to stay and to thrive. Right? And yeah. you want that talent to represent 
the market in the world. As I said, this is no longer a nice to have. So it is solving that pain point of how do you do that? How do you invest in? How do you have that retention? How do you get the most out of everyone? It's not a hard sell at all. Yeah, because I guess companies, it's common sense, they, right? Yes, they get yeah. it. And so what our job is to um, do storytelling and then show the solution and show the end result. So it's really about what's the story, what's the pain point, how are we addressing it for you, and then what can you expect in terms of success? So it's not a hard story. Yeah. Okay, so you're involved in so many different things. Mm. (laughs) And I'm not going to list them all, but, you know, in addition to being the CEO and founder of this company, you're a mother and a wife, and so that's a whole separate area of life. Um, And and thank goodness, because it keeps me grounded. (laughs) But your kids don't really care, you know, (laughs) about who you are or what you do, right? But they're my greatest supporters. Yeah. They really are. Well, again, so Mm -hmm. you're repeating that cycle of role modeling for them. And and it's interesting, excuse me, it's Mm -hmm. two boys. So you have two boys. Two amazing boys. Right. And they will say, Mom, did you eat today? Or if I fall asleep on the couch, they'll put a blanket on me. And my other son wrote a note, you were sleeping so peacefully, I didn't want to wake you. They have incredible empathy. And they're teenage boys. I was going to say, how old are they? 14 and 16. 14 and 16. So when, obviously they are, they're witnessing their mother doing great things in the world. and, Mm -hmm. And she's a female. Do you, when you have conversations with them, what do you say to them as boys growing up in today's world, um, where there is such a big focus on women's empowerment and girls being and doing whatever it is that they choose. Tell me kind of what Mm -hmm. those conversations look like that you have with them. So they have the benefit of seeing not only myself, my sister, my mother, et cetera, my mother-in-law. So they're surrounded by strong women. So for them, that's a given. And I have an amazing husband who's also uh, gets it. So they get it not only from their mom, but also from their dad in terms of, everyone having a shot, everyone being equal. Although they say, you know, dad asked mom. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they get That's it from, so classic. from every, yeah. every side, but they are, they're very humble and they're very in tune and very enlightened. And when they asked me when I was, you know, they were younger, well, mom, why do you work? I don't say because I have to, I say because I love it or because I'm passionate and I don't hide from them the good and the bad. So we have what we call boardroom sessions. And we literally, at the dinner table, will talk about what went well and what was really challenging. And what would you do? So we try and bring them in as well uh, so that they realize that, you know, there's good and there's bad, but how do I show them the resilience and the grit? Because they're going to need it, whatever they decide to do. Yeah. So they're they're awesome. They're Um, so awesome. So is my hubby. Are they listening? (laughs) They better be in school. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's quarter of four. They could be out. (laughs) But I hope they're listening. They'll listen afterwards. But big shout out to my husband, Mark, and my two boys, Ty and Kylan. And and, uh, Mark, does he work for himself or does he work for a company? He works for the league. Mark is the deputy commissioner of the NBA. Very nice. So wow. He, he has an awesome job, and he's yeah. an awesome individual. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's exciting for your boys. Yeah. That's very cool. I mean, yeah. I'm sure that gives them opportunities, you know, um, that any boy would want to uh, to be able to be a part of. Yeah. So what's great is, so Mark and I both went to Cornell, and we were classmates at business school, so we applied together. So we okay. were in the same study group, et cetera. My kids were like, oh, it's so disgusting, you too. But yeah. <laughs> They, they get to see the partnership. They don't want to hear about your love. They're like, oh, stop holding hands. Uh, but they get to see up front what a partnership oh, looks like. That, that's right. 
That's yeah. really important. Mm-hmm. That goes a long way. You can say that again. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get back to the to the boards for a yes. minute because I was mentioning, you know, you, you're involved in the community and th- many things outside of Landit. Um, you serve on the board for the Surgical Care Affiliates, um, McCarter Theater, and Princeton Area Community Foundation. Are, there, are those current active seats that yes. you hold? Tell me, why is that important to you to, to do that? And what is your philosophy in having uh, the best impact that you can as a board member? Sure. So again, I, I must be wired that way, but it's important to me and it always has been to give back. You know, I'm a trustee emeritus at Cornell. If it was not for Cornell, I certainly would not have had the opportunity. So you have to not only give back to the institutions that have given back to you, but then how do I create access for others? And so the way I choose a board is, one, is it impactful to me? Is it somewhere where I can make a difference? Is it a culture of learning on the board? So some boards are very closed and they think they know everything mm-hmm. and, and really not open to other ideas or thoughts or ways of doing things. And are, do they have a mission to make a difference? So that's how I choose. Uh, very particular, obviously, because time is, is not on my side. I don't have a ton of it. Sometimes I say I have negative bandwidth <laughs> as an entrepreneur. But that connection to the community and being able to see that I can have an impact is just, it's goes part and parcel with you know why landed and just my makeup and and what gives me great joy it gives me great great joy yeah are so when you have that many things on your plate mm-hmm. um, and I never want to use the phrase work life balance because mm. I think it's I don't just know life. what that is right no one knows <laughs> it's just life mm-hmm. sometimes it, we're home sometimes we're in an office um, but are you feel do you have days where you just really feel overwhelmed and think I should be saying no more often or take mm-hmm. something off my plate? And if not, how how do you manage the mm-hmm. stressors that come from being involved in so many different things? So I've definitely learned the power of saying no, and I say it a lot. And in fact, there are things that had to come off of the plate in order to to do what I have to do for landed. But I find that that connection actually keeps me grounded. And I tell people that just like you schedule things for work, I schedule in my family. I have sacred time for my family and I make that investment and uh, they don't take a back seat because yeah. uh, it's just, it's, it's super important to me. And the other things I schedule around that. So that's why they have to have meaning. And that's why you have to believe that you have an impact. I think some people get into the habit of just filling up the dance card. And before you know it, you're mm-hmm. overwhelmed with all kinds of things that you can't say, now, why am I doing that again? So I am very, very judicious with my time and with my commitment. And there are many more things that I would like to do but I'm really clear on my priorities. So work-life balance, I don't even know what that is. I know what hyper-prioritization is, yeah. and that's what I do. Yeah. But, oh yeah, I get stressed, absolutely. Yeah. You better believe I do. Sure, did, mm-hmm. did you always have that ability, or is it something that you learned the older you got? To say no. To say you know, no? That, yeah, just, because women, I think, by nature, we wanna save the world, and we wanna help everyone. We just innately wanna do that. Um, and I think with, with age comes the wisdom of knowing that if you're just scattered, you're not helping anyone. Yes. So when did you learn that? So uh, I'm still a work in process, but my mother says I'm afflicted. And by that, she means I'm the one who can't be quiet. So if I see something, I'm going to say something, but then I'm going to want to help do it and make a difference. Yeah. And so you have to kind of keep a check on that. And so certainly when I was younger, you have limitless time <laughs> and uh, not as much responsibility. You can do a lot more. So 
uh, I'm getting much better at that for sure. Good. So it's like, okay, sit on your hands. <laughs> well, sit on your mouth. hands, cover the mouth. <laughs> um, so here's a, a kind of a heavy question, but mm. I think um, it's a good one. T- you know, um, what keeps you up at night? Mm. Other than the the accounting of Landit, what keeps you up at night? Mm. Landit is such a big part of what's going on in my life right now. Uh, literally, what keeps me up is how am I going to scale this and how am I going to deliver on the promise? I think a lot of companies mm. aren't personal. Landit's personal, right? You're talking about making a difference in someone's life helping get them unstuck. And so it's just, are we constantly doing the right thing? Are we iterating? Do we have, you know, are we growing the team? Those types of things. Uh, my family is actually my grounder because as you say, when I walk through the door, it's like land, it's great, but I'm mom, yeah. right? Or I'm Lisa. Yeah. And I, I'm grateful that I have that balance because I can see how as entrepreneur, you can be completely out of kilter. So I find that to be a great stabilizing force. But right now at this amazing stage we're in of scaling, it's just like, okay, all right, how do we do the right thing at the right speed, Mm. you know, at the right cadence, et cetera. That's what keeps me up. It says a lot about your integrity and Mm. who you are, you know, with what you're doing, that you're really trying to do the right thing. Um, Tell me um, advice for women who perhaps are with a, a large company um, and they're stuck, not in uh, not in having the skills or not having mm. the skills, but in the worry of taking on too much. Because with these leadership roles, we have more responsibility, um, but we need more women, you know, at the top. So, mm. what what would you say to a woman who might be listening that really she's in that? kind of conflict where she knows she has the skills, but she perhaps is hesitant, worrying that there will be an increase of responsibility with a higher level role. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's a dual responsibility. So we certainly want women to put themselves out there. Uh, One of the things that we tell people is you have to develop your personal brand, because even if you are prepared, um, often people don't acknowledge or you're not tapped. So it's one thing for me to put me as a woman in a corporate environment to put myself out there, but if I don't have the support behind it, then it doesn't matter how much I put myself out there. So Mm -hmm. women certainly have responsibility to take the risk, to raise their hand, to sometimes not have everything all buttoned up. You've heard, you know, if we have, you know, nine out of 10 things, we'll wait and say, you know, wait till I get that 10th. But, you know, a man has two or three, it's like, yeah, I'm good to go. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) And I admire that, by the way. (laughs) Sure. So, so that's, that's the piece, but you can't do it in a vacuum, right? right? So you have to know or build that support system to help you through it. Yeah. So yes, we have to take the risk. Yes, we have to raise our profile. Yes, we have to continue to evolve our skills. But we also need to make sure that we have our own Koretsu, if you will, mm. our own sponsor helping us navigate that. Yeah. And quite frankly, not everyone needs to be at the top, right? That is right. Not that everyone right. wants that, but what you do want is a full-on shot to be the best you that you can be. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So you're you have been and are in the STEM field. You know, we talk about hmm. STEM all the time. Did you ever experience any kind of pushback or um, something that you felt was unfair because you were a woman? Oh, sure, absolutely. Is there so? Is there one that comes to mind that? Oh man, without naming names. I was going to say we had a whole hour. <laughs> 
Well, those are the but, moments that that matter because you obviously uh-huh. you didn't let that. That's exactly derail right. You. That's exactly right. It's just like okay, well, you can get angry, right? And mm-hmm. I did. Or you can say, well, man, maybe that hurt a little bit. Or you could just be a duck. It just rolls off. But I just, I just don't stop because I'm just focused, you know, eye on the prize. But oh yes, oh yeah, from the very beginning, whether it was in school, in corporate America, as a VC, as an entrepreneur, et cetera, it's just part for the course. What you do is you say, okay, I take stock. And there are sometimes I was telling someone the other day where you hear something, you're like, oh gosh, is there anything I can take from that? Mm-hmm. So some of the rejections we've received are probably uh, less than polite. <laughs> but then you say, okay, well, if those are some of the questions, then how do I better prepare the next mm, time? Yeah, and so I try advice. and say, well, what can I take from that? Not internalize it, but is there a nugget in there that would help me the next time? Then that question doesn't even come up. Mm. So that's how, how I view that. But I love that because I, so yeah. often you know, we're met with something that someone says, and we're just so (laughs) flabbergasted. Mm -hmm. And then we leave and we think, gosh, why didn't I say this? Mm -hmm. And you do learn lessons in those types of of moments for the next time. And you learn how to handle them when it, when you're young and you know you get those things it's like oh my gosh it can knock you back a little bit. Right. But when you get to be uh, as experienced as we are you can very um, quickly handle those types of things on the spot. Yeah. It, it almost can be fun. Oh you better believe it. That's, <laughs> when you're ready for it right and you you're not afraid. It. Yeah. It and can it be sends fun. the message of you will not approach me in that way but right? you will do it in a way that allows you to keep moving forward as opposed to the scorch earth which isn't always effective yeah let's um we have a few minutes left i want to get back to land it and and really kind of describe for the listeners what it is so if someone goes to the to the website if they're um an individual looking for the the playbook Mm -hmm. or they're a company who really wants to um you know uh be better with their um diversity and and uh women's leadership what will they see? What's the experience when they go there? What happens? Sure. So it really is your personalized playbook. And the key elements are, as we said in the beginning, helping you figure out what is my it. It can be because we find out about you, recommending things that will help move you forward, whether it is these are skills that you may want to develop, or maybe these are internal opportunities. Or if you are a woman who is not in a company, because we not only look at your background, but what are your interests, what are your motivators, we can actually show you possibility opportunities that perhaps you didn't even think about. Uh, we have a piece on building your personal brand and accounts for 30% of what it takes to be successful. And most of us don't know that. So we've determined what are the 12 elements and based on your answers, we help you improve that. We will help you build your board of advisors. So not only do we help you codify who sits in each of those seats, those five seats that we spoke about, but we help you stay engaged. We help you with the script. We give you access to world-class coaching. And we knit it together in a way that literally will tell you to do this and then do this and do that because it's about that pathing that we hear is the pain point, which is I'm going to get something done. Just point me in the direction and give me the tools and make it relevant and then I can action. So it's really about not the acute, but how do we help someone manage and path over the continuum? So So are you um, given a dedicated... I'll say counselor, teacher sponsor, you know. So the majority of the platform is driven by technology, but it's smart technology because the more you tell us, the more we're able to recommend and suggest. Okay, but so after you're putting all, in all your your personal data and, mm-hmm. and, and, and then it kind of 
gives you something back. That's right. Okay. But it's important to have those human touch points because yeah. after all, we are talking about humans right. and we're all talking about careers. The subtleties. Yeah. That's exactly right. And one of the great things we do is it's about curation, right? So what I mentioned about being in great hands, when you arrive there, you don't have to worry, am I getting access to best in class? And we say yes, because you deserve it. Everyone deserves the best and everyone deserves the best shot. So it is that combination of the leverage of technology with the appropriate human touch points. What is the business model? So sure. So companies pay a per person per year fee to give that seat license to individuals. And it includes not only technology, but we bundle some of the human services for the individual. 80 plus percent of landed is free because we are about democratizing career success and they would pay for the premium services, whether it's coaching or we'll help you build that LinkedIn profile where 78% of the people go to see if they want to work with you or for you. And most of us have an awful one. So it's those types of services that you would pay for, but to take advantage of landed and the tools and the recommendations, it's open to anyone. Do you think that we're going to see more companies doing this now that this need is here, that you're kind of a a pioneer? You mean more competitors or more enlightened companies buying landed? <laughs> <laughs> Which That's question exactly we? what I was going to say. <laughs> An enlightened company buying landed. There you go. Yes, and we see that. We have amazing global companies of all industries and functions who are buying this and investing in their women and seeing incredible results. So I absolutely. love it because it's just again so actionable. You know, we're there's a lot of things going on around the world to inspire women. Um, and that's the, always the first step, right. To, to mm. get us to believe in ourselves. But the next step then is how can I, you know, logistically do what it is I'm looking to do. So that's there's exactly lots right. of other moving parts. That's exactly right. And that's what we noticed. Lots of talk. How do we help people actually move the needle, take a step forward? Yeah. Well, listen, I, I think it's fantastic. And we're going Thank to, you. uh, of course your, your interview, uh, will be a permanent podcast on our, our website, um, following today. And I wish you continued success. And I'm just going to, uh, ask you to give your contact information if someone's listening and wants to reach out. Sure. They can reach us at landed.com or hello at landed. And thank you so much. Thank you. And it's landed L A N D I T.com C O M. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. And be sure to check out our website for everything related to the show at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. And lastly, an exciting uh, announcement I forgot to to mention is I had uh, another On the Road series video interview with Gretchen Carlson last week that's going to be coming out um, sometime in October. So stay tuned for that. Have a great day, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.